This is Brandon M. Crooker, and you're listening to the Apostolic Theory Podcast. We have a very special guest with us today. We have Brother Henry. He's an incredible man of God. Uh, I connected with him um, on Twitter. He uh, released an article um, through a Christian magazine um, titled The Ministry of Presence. And it's, it was a great read. Uh, it was edifying and, and it was uh, eye-opening. Um, and so it, it's, it was, I'm telling you, it was incredible. If you um, have not read that, I encourage you to look it up get a hold of a copy of that. Um, but today we have Justin Henry with us. He's going to tell, talk to us a little bit about that. But before we get into what the ministry of presence is, let's talk about uh, your ministry, where you're from, what God's doing through your ministry. Well, thank you for allowing me to be on today. Uh, Consider it an honor. Um, I appreciate what you're doing, how you're letting Letting God use you, flowing in the Holy Ghost, and um, it's it's amazing what God will do uh, with people. Um, I'm not supposed to be here by statistics. It's all uh, God gets all the glory. But my family and I, my wife Brianna, my son Joseph, we have traveled and evangelized for the last three years on a full time basis, and. Um, That'd be a story for another time, but God has just had his hand on us the whole time. Uh, we've been blessed to travel across the country, uh, minister somewhere every week, and uh, we've seen people baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost. We've seen miracles. We've seen just God, just God, his hand is, is just working and moving all across this nation. And what's impressed me the most is the hunger that I have seen. Uh, and our young people in churches all across uh, America, uh, we're in a good place. We're in a good place. God is moving. And um, I'm originally from Louisiana, born and raised. Uh, God moved me to West Texas. I married my wife and became a West Texas man. And so we base out of the First Pentecostal Church of Odessa. Uh, pastor Terry Pugh is uh, my pastor. Uh, great man of God. He's a godsend in my life and uh, so blessed to have them. We don't get to go to Odessa a, whole, Odessa a whole lot because of our schedule, but it is home to us. So excited to be on today. Amen. Also, that the article that I wrote, uh, if anyone is interested, is on the Pentecostal pen. You can find that on Twitter, Facebook, on social media. Uh, it's a a great word that, that God put into my heart. Amen. Amen. So let's just get right into it. Um, let's tell our listeners um, what the ministry of presence is. And maybe we could go through the process of how God revealed these things to you or the process of right. uh, how God spoke to you in the, in that manner and, and revealed that to you. Um, and why it's so important for us today. All right. Yeah, absolutely. So very early in my ministry, um, I tried to make myself available uh, the best I could to my pastor. I did not know a whole lot, still don't know a whole lot, got a whole lot to learn. But I just wanted to make myself available to God and to my pastor. And so I made sure that he knew that. And this message, however, it's it's developed over the years, but it all began in the prayer room. And I was praying one uh, evening before our Sunday night service. This is way before I ever evangelized. I probably had only preached a few times at this point. So very early in my ministry. And as I'm praying, I'm excited for the service tonight. I'm looking forward to what God was going to do. Sunday nights have always been my favorite service of the week. It's just something special about them. And uh, out of the corner of my eye, I look and I see my pastor walking through the prayer room doors, um, which is not unusual, but I, I noticed he was walking towards my direction. And we're just moments before church is getting ready to start. And so he approaches me, and what he asked me, it's really 
kind of took away the excitement I had for the evening because the conversation basically was that there's a precious saint in the church whose brother is in the hospital. All this just, just occurred suddenly. And, um, they're at the hospital right now. He's on life support and it doesn't look like he's going to make it. He's possibly going to pass away very soon. And then he asked the question, he said, would you go be with the family? Church is about to start. I have no one to cover for me and asked me if I would go. I considered it a great honor, you know, but I was expecting to be asked to lead prayer or open up for service, something simple. You know, I just definitely was not prepared for this moment. Uh, I was well and, you know, completely inexperienced. And so my heart sank in my chest. I turned red and the best I could, I asked my pastor, I, I'd love to go, but what do I say? What do I do? And I'll never forget his answer. He said, you don't have to say anything. You just be there for them. Now, in the moment, that statement just kind of glossed over uh, casually, but it held a lot of weight now that I get to look back. And so I'm at the hospital. Um, I'm in the corner of the hospital room. Their loved one is passing away, and I'm just softly praying uh, a prayer for the family, for God to you know pour out his love on them, to comfort them in this hard time and uh, give them that peace that passeth all understanding. I'm just praying the best I could. And um, after it's all said and done, I felt that I had failed them. I, I sincerely did. I felt that I was too timid. I was inexperienced. I just felt I failed the family. And I was quite surprised when they began shaking my hand and hugging my neck. And uh, we spent some time together before we all left. And what caught my, me by surprise is when they were thanking me. And I'm wondering in my head, why are they thanking me? I didn't do anything. Um, and then I was able to hear one of them say, which multiple people said it, but finally it sank into my, my mind. They were simply thanking me for being there. And so it was at that moment I got the revelation that I did not fail them, that I did what I was supposed to do. I was simply there for them. And so I learned then early on in my ministry, and it's developed over the years, how powerful this is, that that there is power in our presence. When words seem to be so to seem to be hollow, there's no words or sentence that I can conjure up that could it really express or give them um, any any type of hope in that moment when I can't think of the right thing to say in words just seems so hollow that there's comfort, there's love, and there's strength in our presence. Simply the touch of someone's hand or just their presence being there brings strength and comfort and love. And I can't think of how many times I've been in a church service and God has just pricked, you know, the word has pricked my heart and I am just at an altar pouring my heart out to God. And I am there in that moment. I'm asking God to just have his way with me. And, or maybe it is to comfort me in hard, difficult times. And some point in time, I feel a comforting hand on the back of my shoulder. And, and my, at this moment, my eyes are closed and it felt like God had sent an angel down to comfort me. But when I open my eyes and I look back, it was just a brother or or a family member or somebody in the church that laid their hand on my shoulder to comfort me. But it was in that moment where I felt that power of their presence. And so that's kind of where the, the message all began about the ministry of presence. You see, because in the day that we live, my, my fear is I don't want us to uh, let a text message or prayer emoji, take the place of our presence. Mm. Now, I understand that there's times when that's all we have to offer, or a sincere letter is all that we have to offer. 
but we can never get to the place in this world that we live in uh, and how technology is advancing that. So we can't get to the place where a text message or a prayer emoji takes the place of our presence. Now, there, there's just the world that we live in, the way technology is advancing. It could be something that's easy to do in the, in the name of convenience. But Paul said it. Uh, he said it in Hebrews uh, chapter 10 and verse 24. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, to consider one another, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. So by not forsaking the assembling of ourselves, as the matter of some is, we're actually exhorting each other. Meaning by just being there for someone, your presence alone brings courage. It, it encourages and it brings strength. And last year, I saw this unveiled before my eyes when I'm preaching to a phone or a camera or an empty sanctuary. And when it's all said and done, I am drained. I'm tired. I'm just completely exhausted for some reason because I'm preaching to to an empty sanctuary and and maybe perhaps not even as as strenuous as i would normally preach but yet my i'm depleted and that's simply because i get strength from the presence of others they Mm -hmm. may have seen me but i didn't see them and so uh how many people suffered this last year when we were forced to separate ourselves and to be isolated you know and Uh, The body of Christ was never meant to be isolated, to be separated. Everything is weaker when it is separated. And so we're meant to be together, to love each other, to have the ministry of presence amongst ourselves. And so it's a a very powerful uh, uh, message that how it all unveiled. And to go even further in it, in Scripture... You know, you can find it all throughout Scripture. At the beginning of the Bible, God said it's not good that man is alone, be alone. You know, right. uh, we, yeah. we're not meant to be alone. And um, in Mark chapter 4, one thing that I like to bring out uh, in verse 35, Jesus is teaching his disciples the power of the ministry of presence. Uh, when he says, the Bible says, the same day when the evening was come, He saith unto them, let us pass over unto the other side. Now, God, Jesus gave them no explanation for their journey, just direction. Sometimes we don't get an explanation why. He just leads us and guides us. We just simply get direction. But when you keep reading just a few verses, you know, they go through the storm and they get to the other side. The Bible says when they came to the other side of the sea, into this country of the Gadarenes, when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs and no man could bind him, no, not with chains because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains and the chains had been plucked asunder by him and the fetters broken in pieces. Neither could any man tame him. But in verse five, here it is always night and day. He was in the mountains and the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. This man was hurting. This man was desperate. He was crying and cutting himself, uh, just seeking for something, someone to give him some relief. We know this man was possessed with a legion of demons. But all the way across the Sea of Galilee, Jesus heard the cry of this lost broken man and jesus showed his disciples that i'm willing to sail across the sea go through a storm a great inconvenience to go minister to someone that's broken to minister to someone that's hurting i'm willing to go through a great inconvenience to meant to to he knew that a letter or a messenger would not be enough he needed the presence of Jesus. 
And when that Bible says in verse 6, when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. He was healed when he got into the presence of Jesus. And so how many times, and I'm guilty of this, have I let an inconvenience stop me? How many times have I let an inconvenience keep me from ministering to others? And so, you know, when he tells this parable of the Good Samaritan, that half dead man clinging to life on Jericho Road, he did not need the acknowledgement of the lofty priest and Levite. We're good about acknowledging the needs but he needed the presence of a compassionate Samaritan. He needed somebody that was willing to put their their schedule on hold to go and minister to someone in need. And man, if we truly want, if we love God, and I believe we have to love what God loves, and God loves nothing more than an eternal soul. God loves nothing more than for when he sees us to reach out and to help someone that's broken, to help someone that's hurting, to help someone that's in need. We are the body of Christ. He says, ye are the light of the world. You know, how? what an honor it is to be called the light of the world, but yet at the same time, what great responsibility that lies within that. Because he also says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your works. And so... It's just, it's something that the church, the body of Christ is meant to do, to have the ministry of presence, even when it's inconvenient, even when um, things may not seem to be going the way we want them to be. When we reach out and we help someone that's broken, someone that's lost, or someone that's just going through grief or uh, uh, they're, they're having a, a, a difficult season in their life. Um, when we reach out to someone like that, we're actually reaching up and pulling the heartstrings of God. Mm. Re- by reaching out, we're reaching up and pulling the heartstrings of God. And man, it's just, it's just so powerful. Well, you know, in the scripture, we read that he said, you did it. Well, when did you do that to me? Or when did we do that for you? And he said, when you did it to the least of these. Absolutely. And so I I, I firmly believe that. Um, and I agree Absolutely. with you 100% because that's, it's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And our Absolutely. presence is what's going to connect them right into God. See, here's the thing. We have a lot of preachers, a lot of people that are going around and they, I love the Acts 238 message. I love it. I live for it. And I preach it wholeheartedly. But that shouldn't always be our first thing that we're giving them, right? We need to connect them through love, compassion. Because here's the thing. Oh, who was it? I think it was Billy Cole that said you can't minister beyond relationship. Right. Right. And, it's, and it's, so, it's all about relationship. Yeah, they don't care about how much you know about the Bible until they know how much you care. Yes. About yeah. them and about their soul. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody said they don't care what you know until they know how much you care or something of that nature. Yeah. You're right. And, you know, case in point, this is, this is, uh, happened to me this year. Um, I was in revival and I ate dinner with a, an assistant pastor, me and my family, they cooked for us. And he began to tell me about his, uh, bout with COVID. This man almost died from COVID. It was a very serious case. And, uh, his story goes that after weeks of being in the hospital, uh, they sent him home to simply hope for the best. It's as if they'd done everything they could. And so he goes home and he's getting worse by the day. Uh, he's incapacitated. Uh, he could barely breathe. He couldn't even pray for himself. Um, his wife would have to wheel him around in a wheelchair just to get him around the house. And so, you know, and to add to that, 
what was happening physically to his body, mentally, there was a cloak of depression that was settling in on his mind. He told me about how what was not just happening physically, but mentally, what was happening to him. And so it was very depressing. All was, you know, it was dark and grim and it just seemed like he was going to die. And then one day he was staring out of his living room window, looking at the street that he had seen a thousand times when suddenly a whole fleet of vehicles began to drive by his house one by one. And they're honking their horns, they're waving their hands, and they're holding up posters. And uh, this precious man's church family had all just about circled the entire block with vehicles, expressing their love for him. And so as they're driving by, he couldn't hear their voices, but he felt their presence by seeing them. And by, by watching them wave their hands and they're honking their horns. And, and he said tears began to go down his cheek. And he said at that moment, he said, the love of God just rushed into my home. And he said, I was able to lift my hands. And I began to pray for the first time in over two months. And within just a few minutes, he said, I was speaking in tongues for the first time in a very long time. He did not have the strength to breathe on his, hardly on his own or to pray. But yet when he saw his brothers and his sisters that were willing to put forth the effort to say, we love you and we're praying for you, we're here for you. He said it was at that moment his healing began to take place when he felt the ministry of presence. It's just very, very powerful. And 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 when you when Jesus, the beautiful thing about it, Jesus does not neglect the ministry of presence, right? At the end of Matthew's gospel, the very last words that Jesus says to his disciples is, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. How powerful that statement is to know that no matter what you're going through, I am with you. And man, I was reading my Bible not long ago. And I, this is not in the article. Uh, it just keeps developing the more and more that I, I'm open to it. And in Mark chapter 1, in verse 40, we find where the Bible says, There came a leper to him, beseeching him, kneeling down to him and saying unto him, If thou will, thou can make me clean. He tells Jesus, If thou will, thou can make me clean. Now, we know that leprosy it was a, is a horrific disease. The pain that's involved, the suffering, uh, you, just the physical aspects alone are unbearable. But when you throw in how leopards were treated in society, how they were rejected and they were forced to be isolated and no one would, uh, would conversate with them. I read of accounts where people would throw rocks at them and uh, when they seen a leopard, they turn around and they'd run away. I mean, imagine how this must have felt to be all by yourself, that no one cares about you. No one loves you. And here is this man. Uh, we don't know how long he had leprosy. Uh, when you read Luke's account of this, this scripture, it says that he was full of leprosy, which gives us the indication that maybe it was in its advanced stages that maybe he had leprosy for a long time. And so in verse 41, the Bible says, Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him, saith unto him, I will be thou clean. Now, this is what this is what blows my mind. I, I have read that custom was that the lepers were to stay at least six feet away from someone, that they weren't to be up, you know, up close to them, you not to touch them. And so they would just stay six feet away. I don't know anyone in the world whose arm length is six feet long. And so perhaps out of desperation, this broken leper, this man that, that has been rejected by others, that just needed a miracle out of desperation, he broke protocol and he got a little closer to Jesus than he should have. 
And perhaps maybe his disciples were trying to push Jesus back or protect him. I don't know the situation, but perhaps he broke protocol and got a little closer than he should have out of desperation. But yet out of respect, he stayed far enough away where he was not touching Jesus. Because the Bible says Jesus put forth his hand. Other translations says reached out his hand and touched him. And we have read in the in the in the gospels, all throughout the gospels, Jesus would heal and he would cause miracles to happen. The wind would cease with just a word. Jesus could have healed this man with just his word. But yet at the same time, he said, I'm not just going to heal you with a word, but I'm going to reach out my hand and I'm going to comfort you with a touch. And man, that's powerful that he did not just choose to heal him with his words, but he wanted to comfort him with his touch. That's powerful, man. And so it just gives me, it just puts on me the responsibility, the weight to have a burden enough to have a burden that uh, for the lost that I would be willing to reach out mm-hmm. and comfort them. We can preach the word, but I want to reach out and comfort them as well. And, you know, David uh, in Psalms 23, which the Bible is the greatest selling book of all time. It's the most read book of all time. And Psalms 23 is the most quoted verse of all time. And in Psalms chapter 23, and uh, in verse four, we find this ministry of presence when he says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. Thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. He says, when I'm going through the lowest valley of my life, the darkest hour of my life i will fear no evil why because i have the presence and the protection of my shepherd just to know that he is there for me that's enough the ministry of presence and then verse five is probably my favorite one whenever he says in the presence of my enemies thou preparest a table for me not on the mountaintop of prosperity or the seashore of peace, but in the valley of the shadow of death, David learned that God can still provide for me, that it's not a drive through service. No, he prepared a table for me. There's still provision for me. And so he learned that the enemy's presence does not hinder God's provision, that just because the enemy is there does not mean that God cannot move. And man, that is powerful, powerful. It's the ministry of presence, which you see the the fruition of it all on the day of Pentecost. When when God poured out his spirit upon the faithful and when they received the Holy Ghost, they received the presence of God abiding in their hearts, in their souls. And so we become the, the temple of the Holy Ghost. We have his presence with us at all times. And they called, you know, John called uh, the Holy Ghost a comforter, mm. the, 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 the divine intercessor, the presence of God. Why? Because we have his presence at all times. Very, very powerful. Wow. That is just, it's, it's life transforming. Because if yes. you look back um, on your wa- in your walk with God, you can pinpoint uh, those moments where somebody was willing. They didn't have to say anything. They just had it had to be there, mm-hmm. and that was right. enough of sort of a a rock or or an anchor in my walk with God to say, okay. I can I can go a little further. I I don't have to I don't have to back off. I don't have to backslide, but I can I can go forward from here. Because right. somebody in the kingdom of God, in the church is there for me. You know, it could be the matter of life and death for someone. It could be 
when, 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 if you were to ask the question, ask yourself the question, well, how does this apply to me? You know, well, it's, it, I understand the, the principle that God is always there. I will never leave you, nor forsake you. But how does it apply to me? I believe you can look in Acts chapter 16, where the Bible says that, that a vision appeared to Paul in the night. And there stood a man of Macedonia, prayed unto him, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. When you read Acts chapter 16, you see Paul was geared for revival. He was trying to go other places, but the Holy Ghost would stop him. I want to have revival over here. No, you're not going there. Finally, he gets direction. He's going into Macedonia. He gets the vision. And then in verse 10, after he gets the vision, it says, after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia. Immediately. Paul was ready for revival. He's seen the vision. The man was calling for his presence. And God was sending him that way. And so they get to Macedonia. They're having revival. They baptize some people. Things are going well. But it's not long after that. In verse 22, you hear, you read about the multitude rose up together against them. The magistrates ran off their clothes, commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. Who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison, made their feet fast in the stocks. Now, place ourselves, use empathy to place ourselves in the capacity to place ourselves in one's shoes. What was going through Paul's mind, Silas's mind? God, you sent us here for revival. I didn't know that there was going to be pain and suffering involved. You, you didn't tell me that we were going to have to suffer all of this 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 agony and we're going to get thrown into prison and then we're going to have stripes put on our back you know and at this moment many people would question god they let their current situation current circumstances uh skew their perception of god and, and is god really in this but paul had a vision you see in that vision he's seen a man who was that man i i perhaps will never know till we get to glory But there was something in Paul and Silas. The Bible says at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. In the midst of their storm, they still prayed and praised unto God. They worshiped their way out of that mess. And the Bible says suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. Very powerful scripture there that in our praise in our prayers we find that there can be the foundation of the very prison that was holding them bound began to shake and not only that doors were opened and chains were loose not only theirs but the bible says everyone's bands were loose which tells me that our praise and our prayers affects more than just us We're affecting the atmosphere around us, that there's others that would be affected by us praising God and praying to him. Very powerful portion of scripture. And and for the longest time, I thought that this was the most powerful portion of this story. I, I, I would preach this part, man. Doors will open. The foundation of the prison, the foundation of the thing that's holding you bound will shake. It's a powerful message. But when you keep reading... In verse 27, the Bible says the keeper of the prison awakes out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners have fled. Here's this man ready to kill himself. He's going to pay the price that they ultimately would have paid. But yet at that moment, Paul cried with a loud voice saying, do thyself no harm for we are all here. When that man was about to end his life, Paul said, hey, I'm still here. I didn't try to leave this mess. I had an open door. I had an opportunity. But Paul knew that that man, that Roman jailer, needed his presence. And I often wonder, brother, that when Paul was being drugged into that prison after just being whipped and beaten by those people, if he was questioning God, wondering why God, why this, why this pain, when he got a glimpse of the face of that Roman jailer, if that wasn't the man that he's seen in his vision, just, uh, you know, a few days prior, perhaps, if that was 
the man that he saw in his vision crying out to him. And so the most powerful portion of this scripture um, it was not just the miracles and the signs that wonders that happened, but it was when Paul chose to stay and his presence alone, he was able to baptize that jailer and his family and preach them the gospel of Jesus Christ. That to me is the most powerful portion of this story that when Paul had an opportunity to leave that dark place, he knew that someone else needed his presence even more. And so he chose to endure and to stay And his presence. The ministry of his presence led to salvation of that man's family. That's how that applies to our life. Wow. That God, God may allow storms into our life, may allow trouble and he may allow pain and suffering into our lives why not it's not always be just because the impact it's going to have on us but sometimes it's the impact that we're going to have on others what what did he tell peter when he said he said satan desires to have you that he may sift you as wheat i'm letting you know right now peter that satan's going to have his way with you He's going to sift you as wheat. It's going to be difficult. Jesus could have said, but I'm not going to allow this to happen. Rather, he said, but I pray for thee that that faith fail not. So that tells me that through the storm, through the pain, the suffering, I just need to hold on to my faith in God. Be still and know that he is God. But what was one of the reasons that God was going to allow this into Peter's life? He gives him the answer. He says, when thou art converted, when thou return unto me, strengthen thy brethren. Peter, I'm going to let you go through a season of suffering. Not just because of the impact that it's going to have on you, but because of the impact that you're going to have on others. I'm preparing you for your ministry. I'm giving you an anointing. I'm giving you a testimony, Peter. And we know that the Bible says we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony the word of our testimony is for others to strengthen them to encourage them and so this is how the ministry of presence can apply to our life and so that's not just even that's not specifically um for you know the people that you know you get along really well with a lot of times right. you can minister to those people that you don't really get along with by being there, by your presence, by, by right. being willing to set any, uh, any malice, any, any, uh, any bitterness, any, any discomfort in anything that's between you and them. That's God takes relationship with our brother and with our enemies, with, with anybody in the world, the relationship that we have with other people, God takes that seriously. Absolutely. So, so seriously that you go to an altar. He said, leave your gift. Go make it right with your brother. Then you come back. Absolutely. To pray for your enemies. You know, this is not just for people in church, not for saints. I'm thinking of a man right now that I don't know a whole lot about him. The Bible doesn't give us a whole lot of information, but obviously he had made some mistakes in his life. He had made some bad decisions and he was getting ready to pay for those decisions. He was going to lie in the bed that he had made. And I don't know if this man carried his cross before Jesus or after Jesus, but I do know that he was hanging beside Jesus on that cross. And even though this man had made mistakes, this man, obviously, he was not a Christian by our standards. But yet Jesus reached out and said, this day thou shalt be with me in paradise. When he asked Jesus to remember him, he said, this day thou shalt be with me in paradise. It was the ministry of presence. At that moment, he was broken in the right place. And so it's, you know, it's for for everyone, everyone, it's the will of God that all would repent, that none would perish. And so if I will allow God to use me and and honestly, sincerely say, Lord, have your way in my life, then I'm opening myself up to hurt. I'm opening myself up to pain. 
And perhaps I'm also opening myself up to suffering because when I choose to love, love makes you vulnerable. Love causes pain. Love causes hurt. So when I make myself available and I choose to love, there's going to be times when because of that love, it's going to bring me to pain. You know, what was it that brought God down from the splendors of heaven? It was love. It was love. We love him because he first loved us. It was love that led him to that whipping post. Love took him to that cross at Calvary. And so love, when we choose to love, it's the most powerful thing in the world. When we choose to love, you know, there's also pain involved. There's also suffering. But when we can alter the destination of an eternal soul, when we can reach out to the broken, to the hurting, which is what Jesus did his entire ministry, man, it just, that's the ministry of presence, that the church, um, you know, we're definitely not meant to uh, keep this to ourselves, to have our, our little, you know, social clubs, which I'm thankful for all those things but at the same time we must never forget to keep reaching to keep reaching to keep mm-hmm. reaching because just like jesus heard the cry of the lost of that broken man uh that was possessed by a legion of demons i want to open my ears to the cry of the lost i don't want to numb my ears to that cry and i'm guilty of this i'm guilty of this man it convicts me this is messages uh, it's powerful because it constantly convicts me. There are times where I have walked past people. Perhaps my ears were numb to their cry that God perhaps wanted me to slow down, stop and minister to them. But yet because my ears were numb, I just kept on walking. So I want to make myself available. I want to make myself uh, um, tuned to to what god is wanting to do and so i want to open up my ears my heart to god let my heart my eyes my let my heart and my ears everything be fertile ground for his word and um it's just it continues to unfold about the ministry of presence very powerful uh, message so when jesus was hanging on the cross in his pain and in his in his hurt, um, hanging there, he had to keep pulling himself up to breathe. In that pain and in that hurt, and in he, he could have decided that it was more important for him. I mean, he could have called uh, hundreds or thousands of angels to come take him off the cross, but he heard the cry of the sinner above the cry of his flesh. Man, that's that's good. You know, we needed the ministry of his presence. Mm. He looked down through the ages of time and he saw you and he saw me and they need me to finish what I started. Wow. And so the ultimate ministry of presence, you know, is when God robed himself in the flesh, came down and walked in this world, and he died on the cross for you and I. I'm thankful for the ministry of presence. Amen. I'm thankful that he reached down, that he came down. It's powerful. Well, Brother Henry, I pre- we appreciate the time that you have invested, um, the study, and 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 you know the experience that has gone into this. This is this is incredible, and I believe that this is going to edify the body of, of Christ. This is going to help encourage the listeners, the hearers to not just hear a word, but to utilize that word, to put that word to work. You know, allow a seed to sort of get settled in their heart and yes. and, and 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 put put some shoes on it. God didn't give us the holy I mean right. We just had main district camp uh, this past week, and we had Brother James Littles. He is an incredible preacher. I don't know if you've ever heard Brother James Littles from the United Pentecostal Church, but he is an incredible 
preacher. And he, he, he said something that really struck me. He said, God didn't give you the Holy Ghost so that you could be saved. He gave you the Holy Ghost so you could walk across the street and share that with your neighbor or the person across the street or, I mean, you know, the clerk at the grocery store. And that's where our presence. So God gave us his presence right. to be with us always so that we could share that. Right. With everybody around us. Sometimes it's just a pat on the shoulder. You're the light of the world. Amen. Sometimes it's just a pat on the shoulder. You never know how. Sometimes it's a a hug on the neck. Sometimes it's a handshake. Sometimes you don't have to do any of that. And you just have to be there. If we would just be there. That will say more than our words could ever say. And it will allow God's spirit to deal with and to work on them by just being in the presence of God that we are able to entertain on a daily basis. Yeah. You know, we could talk about this all day. You know, it's it's just, it's all, it's in our everyday life. It's all throughout the Bible, when I think it was, was it Luke 9, where Jesus took Peter, James, and John onto the mountain of transfiguration. You know, he took them there for a prayer meeting, and there he is. He's transfigured before them. There's Moses and Elijah. Peter wanted to stay on top of that mountain. You know, obviously, let us build tabernacles for you. You know, uh, this is a good place. Let's, let's stay here. I don't want to go back down to that mess. But Jesus knew that there was a demoniac boy that had been possessed since he was a child down below that needed him to come back down. And so uh, when you talk about going across the street or, or uh, going, you know, w- wherever it is to minister, uh, it's important for us to spend time with God, spend time in his word, spend time in prayer. When we get, when we get that, then we also need to go back out and minister to the world. And so it's a constant ebb and flow of going, spending time with God and going doubt out and ministering into the world. And so uh, it, it'd be easy for us to just lock ourselves in a, in a room and read his word and pray uh, and uh, spend time with God uh, all day long, which I have, I've, you know, I love it when I'm able to do something like that. But at the same time, I've got to go out. I've got to go out. I've got to reach. I've got to seek. And, you know, I've got to, we've got to minister. That's, that's, that's the whole point. And so um, it's, it's loving God and loving others. It just falls back down to what Jesus said. You know, the first and great commandments to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy soul, thy might. And the second is like unto that, to love thy neighbor as thyself. Wow. And so if we'll just love God and we'll love others, man, we'll encompass the ministry of presence. We'll spend time with God and we'll reach out to others. And that's, uh, there it is. Amen. Wow. This has been an incredible session. I'm, I'm very excited. I'm excited about what the Lord is doing. Um, I, I'm very passionate about the equipping, the empowering, the encouraging, because that's that's what we need in today. This this the movement of of the apostolic, the Pentecostal movement. We need people that are willing to use, share their experiences, share what God has given them, because we all have our part in the body of Christ. You know, our again, and I I've probably said this before on another episode but the hand doesn't do what the foot does the ear doesn't do what the mouth does and god gave all of us different abilities different things that uh, we can do different talents different you you might have a better oratory skills than i have you might have better you know you might be able to prepare a message better than i can prepare a message you might be able to uh sing better than i can sing or or play an, an instrument better than i can play an instrument 
But all of those, God didn't give us those just so that we could glorify self. He did it so we could glorify himself. Right. And when we do that, God is glorified. And the church is edified. And that is where we grow. That's our growth. That's And so that's what this is all about, man. This is about sharing what we have with the rest of the movement, with the rest of, of the believers. And here's the thing. I, there, are, there are probably some, some Catholics that mean well. And maybe they're wondering if what they're being taught is right. You know, maybe there's some, some Baptists. I've had several conversations with Baptist uh, ministers. And they, they're saying, you know, they're reading and they're like, what what does this mean? What this is here. The Bible says this, so why are we why are we looking over this? The Bible right. says when you got the Holy Ghost, you spoke with another tongue. And we can read several different accounts where when they got the Holy Ghost, they were speaking in another tongue. But they wouldn't feel comfortable being able to ask you those questions without yeah. you first being there. Yeah. Yeah. Having that example. Yeah. Yeah. That is what it's all about, man. I, we appreciate your time today. Um, I'm very, again, I'm very excited about what God is going to do. Um, and so we're just so thankful for you taking the time to be on Apostolic Theory. Yes, sir. It's an honor. And thank you for what you're doing. I, I appreciate that. This podcast is made possible because of listeners like you who are willing to bridge the gap. We now have a sponsorship program on our Anchor website in which you can become a monthly sponsor of $1, $5, or $10 a month. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook.